1: Greetings and welcome to Military Network Radio. We have a fantastic show for you today about a topic that I think some people know about, but many do not. And this is the special needs families. And the program is, uh, is EFNP, the Exception Family Member Program within the military. And some people know, it, some people only know it as a title and not really understand it. And so Justin Constantine's joining me this morning. Good morning, Justin.
2: Hey, good morning, Linda. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. Um, From my time in the military, I know a little bit about EFMP, but not a ton, so I'm I'm really excited to talk to our guests and learn a lot more about it today.
1: Yeah, it's such an important service that is offered, and I think that we can provide some answers today for special needs families, but also for those who really don't understand it who may be misunderstanding things or thinking they're special treatment for uh, military uh, partners and families, and they just don't get it. So we're going to talk today about the myths and the truths. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Right, that's the thing, because um, uh, families – You know, gossip spreads on military bases and stuff like that. You hear about what happens with one family and not another, and you're right. It it could be misconstrued as special treatment, but it's just, uh, under this program, it's just families getting the treatment that they need and that they're entitled to.
1: Absolutely right. And so we have a wonderful expert today. Julie Reyes is joining us. She's a military spouse. She is also a strong advocate in the special needs family arena, knows EFMP backwards and forwards, And Julie has a very compelling story of her own, personally, which is what drew her to this advocacy, because I I personally believe that all advocacy is personal, and that you end up being a voice for others who don't have it, and sharing information that you wouldn't be able to get any other way. So let's bring on
3: Julie. Good morning, Julie, and welcome to Military Network Radio. Good morning, Linda, and... uh... Justin, it's great to be here this morning and join you today to talk about the special needs community and EFMP and our military families. Well, we are so delighted to have you. You and I have been trying to put together this program for quite some time, and due to
1: schedules, it hasn't been possible. So this works out really well. I would love to take this first segment and discuss special needs in the military. What are some of the conditions that are special needs? And perhaps you can tell the story about your family. Let's start with that. Let's take a step back. Let's start with your family and what you experienced and how
3: this drew you in and became more involved on the larger scale. Okay. Um, So our family is comprised of triplets who are now 11 years old. Mm-hmm. But when they were born, and they were born when we were on duty and assignment in England, um, they were born premature at 30 weeks, and they were actually born in Cambridge Rosie Hospital. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have children, they're preemies, you, you, know, you go through all of that. Then we returned to the United States when they were about six months old And I spent the time the first year after that, uh, six months to 18 years old, with my father-in-law while my husband, uh, DJ Reyes, deployed to Iraq. At that time, I started noticing some developmental delays with my son. So we have two girls and a boy, and it's kind of an interesting group dynamic there because I could really see what was happening and some differences between the development of these three children. At first, I thought, well, they were born premature. Well, boys are a bit slower than girls and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think a lot of parents, um, and I really stress this a lot, is you need to trust your instincts. As a mother, as a parent, as a father, when you sense that something's just not quite right, um, don't panic, but start asking some questions and start learning. Mm -hmm. So at about 18 months old, right before my husband came back from Iraq, um, we had some testing done and determined that our son was diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. So the girls were typical um, typically developing, but early on an early intervention is very critical with all you know delays, developmental delays, and physical impairments, and things like that. The sooner you have an inkling of perhaps something not 's not quite right, um, ask some questions and get that information you
1: know I think that is so critically important because I think early on, there is often a tendency by pediatricians and general practitioners who may be seeing your child to say, just give it time. As you said, boys are developmentally a little slower than girls often. And yet, if you feel in your gut that something's different or or off, that is often the very first indicator for people to go and get further examination. Your situation is fascinating, though, because you had little girls to measure against your son, and so that's very different than parents who are in play groups, for example, and may not get that early warning as much. Are there is there anything that you tell them
3: to be aware of? Well, that's where um, having opportunities with family play groups, um, other settings where you're out and about with other children is really is really very important because you want to be able to just see our children grow at different rates and ranges and there's certain milestones that we look for but nothing is ever concrete but it's always good to know and be aware of those things you should be looking for coming coming up you don't have to go Crazy if the milestone isn't immediately met, but just to know. And so it's really quite amazing to see um, children at different ages and stages, and what they what do they typically do? How do they typically play? Um, what are they typically doing at this age and stage? That's one of the great things about our military community because we have a lot of great moms groups and parent groups that and children play groups and the CDC and things like that. And that's another critical thing for our military families to get out and to uh, know about the other spouses and the other families and get connected and not just stay siloed in their own homes, but just get out. You know, it's really important. I
1: I think that's extremely uh, valuable to know. So from your experience. We know that autistic children, children on the spectrum are included in special needs families. What are other conditions that may be covered under special needs families and considerations?
3: Well, that's a great question because when you think about special needs, you have to think about a wide swath of a variety of issues. And so those quote-unquote, special needs may range from medical, some types of medical issues. What about um, Down syndrome or spina bifida or some other medical challenges and impair- impairments? Also, what about uh, special needs are some learning disabilities or very significant cognitive impairments? They could be such things, and sadly, such as terminal illnesses, and things like that. So special needs is a wide swath that we do have to understand. It's medical, mental health, and psychological, not just um, certain things that we see. The other thing to understand is that there are physical impairments that a lot of people can easily recognize and say, oh, I see, this child has... This issue or this adult has this or that issue. They're in a wheelchair or something like that. But there are many people that have special needs or disabilities that are called hidden disabilities. You Mm -hmm. can't see them. They're not physically apparent. You need to be aware of that.
1: Well, and I think that's extremely important, especially in the case of young children, because I know that I have friends with autistic children, and when you see... A meltdown, which is different from a tantrum, the unknowing person will say that that mother just isn't able to control her child. Whereas someone who is cognizant of possible other situations may say, oh my goodness, that's a sensory overload and that's a response and I need to have some compassion there. Does that resonate with you?
3: Absolutely. I mean, there are so many things that happen. Um, If a child is having a meltdown or a a parent is trying to work with a child out and about in the community. And the last thing that they need are glaring stares um, and individuals who think that they're being helpful by interjecting or offering some kind of um, help in a way where this parent might be actually going out and working with a therapist or a provider they know what you know what they're doing and how they're working with it other times if they're out and you do, do see that it's a matter of being compassionate and not uh, being kind about it and not offering criticism to that individual's parenting skills or like i said the stares and the glares it's not necessary
1: no, there was a wonderful video on Facebook about a year ago, which was in the eyes of a child who walked into a mall. I don't know if you saw it, but it showed how we are bombarded with information all the time. In a typical brain, you can process all of that. In a autistic or a child on the spectrum's brain, that's as as a siege and it's it was very well done because I think it gave those of us who you know have typical children a view into the the lives of parents working with as you said someone maybe just working with their child trying to get them the coping skills that they know how to do it and we're going on a break now but when we come back. We're going to talk about why the military has an EFMP program and what it means for your family. And we're talking today with Julie Reyes, a special needs mom, military spouse, and an advocate for those in the special needs uh, community. We're going to demystify this program and give you some answers today. We'll be right back.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
4: We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. and happily shares these through Today's Note to Self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. is National Ice Cream
5: Month, as if we needed a reason to celebrate ice cream. Would you believe the average American eats 45.8 pints of ice cream a year? Here's a scoop on some ice cream lingo. In Pennsylvania, the paper cone used to hold ice cream is called a tut. Sprinkles or jimmies on top of ice cream are called ants in California, and outsiders and logs in Vermont. The world record for ice cream eating is 1.75 gallons in 8 minutes. Oh, I feel a brain freeze coming on. What's another word for brain freeze? palatine ganglia neuralgia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Julie Reyes about special needs family and giving some answers, demystifying the EFMP program. Julie, why does the military have an EFMP program?
3: Well, the main reason that the military has the EFMP program is to identify um, families and family needs. It's really to ensure that when a military family moves or PCS's, that appropriate services are available to that individual um, in the family so that they can be best supported. So um, we wouldn't it wouldn't be great to have a family member with some severe and significant special needs um, to go to a remote place where the doctors that they specifically need are very very few and far between Mm -hmm. that wouldn't that just wouldn't be a good situation
2: so Julie, if you are a family in the efmp program what does it mean for you what what kind of services are provided and, and what does life look like
3: well, the first thing when you get a diagnosis of anything that's we're going to put under that umbrella of special needs, you want to make sure that you have the medical aspect of it covered so um, that you know all of the types of therapies and all of the types of medical doctors that you would need to see. Um, within that span of time. In the EFMP program, there's actually like three parts of it. There's one part that handles when that EFMP documentation comes in, there's a a form that's required to be filled out so that the family can get registered. And it's a family medical survey. And also, there's a family education and early intervention um, sheet as well. Mm-hmm. That goes to um, the groups that do assignments, and so that they can be aware of what's available um, when they're thinking about somebody going to this assignment or that assignment.
2: You're talking, that about, you're talking about the first assignment, right?
3: What's up? You're
2: talking about the service number where he or she may be assigned to.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And then there's the medical aspect of EFMP to make sure that they have their um, health care is coordinated and like I said, that available services are there mm-hmm. at that potentially new PCS location. The other component of EFMP is actually the family support component, and that area helps families with their housing needs information and referral. They help the families with schools and those, those wonderful IEPs that we all love so much. Um, <laughs> Tell our
1: listeners what that is in case they don't know. And
3: I, I E P is an individualized educational plan. Mm-hmm. And so if a individual in school, school age child has some needs that must be accommodations in school or special requirements in school, That is what each student who needs an IEP would get, and that's an individual program solely discussing what that student needs and how that school is going to meet those needs. Now, I know we are focusing right
1: now on – uh, children on the spectrum, et cetera, but I know that EFMP covers other conditions, and I want to make sure we open this up to the listeners so that they don't just focus in on autism, which is the one that has been getting the most attention. Right.
3: Well, and absolutely, and so let's think about if a child has some significant or or uh, medical requirements, such as a young child that has diabetes, and they have um, one of the Uh, things that they wear on their body for insulin injections. Mm -hmm. That is a special need. They need that medical assistant. They need services. They need to be able to see their specialist. They also need their school to be aware of that, that that's a situation that that child encounters. Um, And, Talking about schools, what if a child has to have medication administered mm-hmm. on a regular, ongoing type of basis? A nurse, a school that has a full time nurse would be required to be in that school. And quite honestly, there's some schools nowadays that don't always mm-hmm. have the school nurse there. <laughs> Every hour of every day. Sometimes these nurses, these school nurses, rotate from school to school. Sure. So these are requirements that are necessary to be met. Now, I've got a
1: question that is functioning more on the agency side. Is the DOD proactive in offering up information about the EFMP program? Or is this something that the service member and their family have to find
3: out or have to seek out? Uh, The the DOD encourages, and actually, uh, quite honestly, it's a requirement um, that if you have a special needs type of situation that you do register um, as an EFMP. It actually is a mandatory enrollment program um, that works with the military and civilian agencies to help provide comprehensive and coordinated community support housing, education, medical, and personnel services to families with special needs. So it actually is um, its a program that we do want the families to be aware of, to not be afraid of, but to understand that it's there to support them and provide them the best support for themselves and their families. Now you
1: say it's mandatory. I do know families who have not joined initially. Right. Mm
3: -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Well, if a family doesn't join um, and they don't fill out the paperwork, and let's give an example of uh, an individual who might have severe allergy uh, or, I'm sorry, severe asthma. Asthma. Mm -hmm. And that child or that individual has many medical instances of asthma that requires them going into hospital visits and seeing specialists a lot of that, um, then that's going to be recognized. And then they're probably going to be requested, you know, and strongly encouraged to join the EFMP program. Because what would happen if that individual um, with asthma couldn't get those services or were in a remote location Mm -hmm. where those services were just not readily available, and so it's not meant to be uh, stigma and labeling and punishing um, but it is something that you you do want to think about. Another option is that a lot of people don't talk about, but some families choose to um, go and be geographical bachelors mm-hmm. um, and leave their family in the setting where the family can get support, but suppose that opportunity goes um, is out there to go to another remote location or something like that, then they may choose to leave their family in place and take that, um, take that opportunity and go that way, that way as an unaccompanied tour, perhaps.
2: Julie, it sounds like, um, you know, I'm thinking about a young military couple who is, you know, maybe 20 years old. They have, have their first child. They're kind of overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm just life in the military in general, and then everything else is thrown their way. So it sounds like what you describe is when, when their child is diagnosed with whatever that condition may be, someone will, is in charge of letting them know about the EFMP program. Um,
3: right. Sure. command, the chain of command, the FRG, um, they all know and are very fully aware of this program. So, um, and they want to be encouraging of this. I will tell you, as a military family, um, we really were very open about our situation because we wanted. We're we weren't we're not ashamed of this, Mm -hmm. of our family situation. We want other junior military families to know, you know, we all have situations and that there's help there registering with EFMP and getting these services, these medical services through TRICARE is is actually a good thing. It's actually something that uh, the military can really help with. Oh
2: I, I agree, it's a great thing. And I'm just drawing on my experience as a wounded warrior. There were all sorts of things that I should have been told about, um programs I should have been aware of, testing that should have happened, etc. that never did because people it fell through the crash. And that was the, and that wasn't really on me. Um although I remedied it by searching out that information and finding it, it was because people in those positions just failed to do what they were supposed to do for any number of reasons, not maliciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just wonder if in, with this situation, with EFMP, your kid is diagnosed with, let's well, so say autism, or, or, or whatever mm-hmm. that condition may be. It's a, it sounds like a lot to trust that someone in there will make that, uh, do the right thing and, and follow the protocol.
3: Well, and that's why we have family support groups, and we have a lot of community outreach. We have opportunities for families to connect and not be afraid and kind of, like I said, come out of those shadows and not... go within you know not just kind of curl up it, yeah. it can really happen mm-hmm. and just like you said where you don't feel that anybody cares that there's no resources but the reality is there's quite a, there's quite a lot it just takes that that step forward to reach out and learn about what's out there and connect now, we're dancing
1: around this topic but why would people stay in the shadows and there's a very real Um, consideration and stigma. Tell us what that is, Julie.
3: Well, a lot of, uh, honestly, a lot of people feel that this could impact an individual, the service member's career. Mm -hmm. They feel that having this labeling, if you will, um, could impinge the opportunity for certain duty stations and certain job postings and things like that. But I want to tell you, um, when we have an opportunity that the Marine Corps actually did a study in 2016 that actually dispelled the myths surrounding the EFMP program in the marine world.
1: Excellent. We're coming up on another break and we'll start back with that when we come back because we'd love to hear about what they found out and what the conclusions were. You are listening to Military Network Radio. More can be found at MilitaryNetworkRadio.com. We're going on a very short break and we will be back after these messages, continuing our discussion with Julie Reyes about special needs families and the EFMP program. Don't go away.
0: military network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages
5: Hear about the hound dog that participated in a 13 mile race in Elkmont, Alabama? According to Runner's World, the two and a half year old hound dog named Ludivine was just orb-gorbling in her backyard when she heard the runners lining up for the Trackless Train Track Half Marathon in the distance. Somehow, she found her way to the starting line and began sprinting alongside the other runners. According to Keith Henry, the winner of the race, Ludovine cut in front of him and the other runners several times. They had to be careful not to trip over the pooch. As it turned out, Ludivine crossed the finish line in 7th place with a time of 1 hour and 33 minutes. According to her owner, that was a pretty impressive showing for a normally scabberlatcher dog. Scabberlatcher is another word for lazy. It's my I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
4: Welcome to Talking Net cutting-edge radio.
5: Welcome
0: back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome to Military Network Radio. Um, Julie, right before the break, you spoke about a 2016 study by the Marine Corps, looking at whether or not being a participant in the EFMP program and its um, services that are offered have any effect on the career path of someone in the program. Let's talk about that. What did they find?
3: Okay, so this study was done by the Marine Corps Operational analysis division. And the study was done in March, 2016. So basically what they did is they looked at 20,692 EFMP participants from 1989 to 2015. Um, And because the thought has always been, wow, we're afraid to be labeled, um, Mm -hmm. that labeled with EFMP, that would limit my opportunities. It would affect my potential for promotion, my overseas assignments and things like that. What they actually found out that um, not only was career advancement not distinguishably impacted by EFMP, but they also learned that the EFMP service members and families actually stayed in the military service longer, hey. um, they stayed years long several years longer, and the majority achieved higher grade in the same or shorter amount of time. And when you think about that, you think about, and Justin, you know, as an active duty serviceman, when you're active, when you're deployed, you want to know your family's taken care of so oh, you definitely. can do your job, right? Yeah, so when you know your family's taken care of, they've got the services that they need, they can readily access the doctors, the specialists, the therapists, the education that they need. Can you do your job better?
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. You're you're exactly right. When you said the the findings, it made me think, you know, when I was, I, I was stationed in Okinawa at one point, I was single then. but um, And so it was like, it was okay. But from my married friends there they loved it because the community was tight they were surrounded by a whole neighborhoods of people who were very similar to them the schools were good and i feel like with this with the efmp program maybe it's similar to that where they know they're getting the care that they need and that encourages them to stay in and do well because they're very comfortable and, and they trust the system so maybe maybe it's similar
3: Right. And in our family situation, my husband being deployed to Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. Iraq with our kids, knowing that we were in a place where services were readily available, where there was a good network of recreational, therapeutic, medical facilities made all the difference in the world for him to be able to do the 24-7 job that he has to do.
2: Oh sure! I mean, the last thing we want is any of our service members being deployed, especially in a war zone, worrying about what's going on at home. I mean, that, that's a that's a tough situation, and a lot of folks that's a are,
1: formula for
2: disaster. Yeah, it is yep. for a lot of reasons. So that's a great point, Julie.
3: Well, and the thing that's really interesting, um, Justin and Linda, is you brought up an amazing point because there really is a connection here. One of the individuals in the study had the exact same situation of having an opportunity early on in his career to go to Okinawa. And he wanted that opportunity for his family. And so on one of his assignments, that was possibly in the cards for them. But in this situation, unfortunately the family couldn't go, um, and he got reassigned to a different uh, PCS location. And the reason that it was declined was because there wasn't sufficient and adequate housing. Mm-hmm. So, Justin, you've been in Okinawa. If you had a family situation that you had particular housing needs and situations with the housing, and that wasn't would not be available for your family, that would be kind of heartbreaking to bring your family over and oh, yeah. then... They're not able to get around and do the things that they would typically do. So even though it was heartbreaking and, and this service member wanted their family to experience that, in this instance, it, it couldn't happen.
2: Sure. And and some and that makes sense. I mean over places like that you're kinda of limited um on, on on what's there. stateside obviously a lot more options. And, and I knew families that um similar to, to the person you're talking about, they their kid their child had a, a medical condition and they would have to fly to Hawaii for treatment. Um and so they, they just said, you know, it's too much and this is not viable. Um so those those considerations are real. But uh the, the good thing is they're identified on the front
3: end, right? And I think you want what's everybody wants what's best for their family right. and for the individual or individuals within their families that have these special needs.
1: You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking that you're really dispelling a lot of the fears because this program does exist for good reasons. It is actually a very well run, in terms of. Um, support and the options given. When you're talking about Petra, do you still feel that there is some feeling of isolation as caregivers for these special needs families?
3: I think it's, it can be very isolating and that's where I think that um, family members who have kind of, been through this Mm -hmm. um, can reach out to others. And everybody goes through their journey in a different way. Not one of our children or individuals within our families that have unique situations. And quite honestly, not one of us is the same. So all of our journeys are very different. And we have different times in our lives where we can reach out and do outreach to others and then sometimes we need some people sometimes we need people to help us and That's so right. realizing that um, and knowing that and knowing especially within our strong strong military communities that you're not alone mm-hmm. truly there are other families who are going through similar not identical but similar frustrations challenges, um, issues with schools and concerns and worries. You know, we're all in it together. And so we really can help each other out. And it is much more helpful to put it out there, connect with others within our community, and try to help each other along through this. So if you know of resources, sharing those resources. If you know of therapists who take TRICARE, who don't have waiting lists or new opportunities, getting that information out to your group, to your network, to the EFMP coordinator goes a long way in helping everybody and our community.
1: And that's exactly why I asked that question, because I think that people fear they will be alone, but it sounds as though this is a very well knit community and they help out. There's always one aspect of being a caregiver for a family member and that is never really satisfied. And I'm just curious how it works in the EFMP community. A, a need for respite care comes along at times. And is that built into the program as well, or is that mostly done individually between so that the parents and families spell each other, just for brief respite care?
3: They actually do have a respite care program. And so um, each service has its own respite care program that you can um, sign up for through EFMP. Mm-hmm. Uh, each service has a different kind of matrix to say how many hours you would get. And it and it actually is um, improving year, you know, year over year, again, as families put forward information and say, you know, we need this. Being a military spouse you have to know everybody knows you either use it or you lose it. So when the military offers respite care you want to use it and you want to show you want to show your service army navy air force marine coast guard that this is a valuable value added service that you're offering us and we're going to use it wisely judiciously in the way you want us to use it. Respite care is really important Mm -hmm. because as a military spouse uh, or as a caregiver, you've got to take care of yourself. So if you're unable to go to your medical appointments and get things done that you need to do, you're not going to be well fit to serve your children and those who are depending on you. And that's why respite is there. So you can take care of those things that you need to get done. Um, so, and sometimes families use respite care, which is wise to go on a date night because Mm -hmm. the marriage has to stay strong as well. We're trying to build resiliency within our individuals and our families and our marriages. So it's very important. Respite care
1: is. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that. Um, there is, we're making this sound like when you get into a program, all your wishes are met and it's rainbows and unicorns. And that's not the case. When you're dealing with um, any medical condition within a family, there are other considerations that always must be made and your mind is working in a million directions. And so respite care is essential for all caregivers. Let's move into EFMP and TRICARE and how that works because I want to make sure we get enough time to get all of this in. So you sign up
3: for the EFMP program. What happens next? Well, when you have your issue, your special need, if you will, that determines that you are part of this EFMP community, mm-hmm. you're going to see and you're going to realize with TRICARE with your PCM and then with specialists that you have a medical necessity. You have something going on in the medical um, arena, if you will, or mental health or psychological that requires this ongoing care. So that's where you want to start working with TRICARE, with your PCM, to get your prescriptions. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we um, we can talk about that. Hard to believe, but we had to have a prescription for speech, for OT, for ABA services um, and for all kinds, you know, for all kinds of different things. So, again, having that medical necessity allows TriCare to be able to provide those services for us. And I imagine that
1: this is also where you have already emphasized earlier in the program. But early interventions, early treatment, early knowledge is critically important to the outcome because you can really profoundly affect the
3: journey that you're on, correct? Yeah, early intervention is key and critical. Um, Don't hide under a basket. Learn about it. Ask those questions. Talk with your PCM. Talk with others. But early intervention is very critical.
1: We are, unfortunately, going on another break. This is our last break, and we're going to continue on this discussion TRICARE, etc. And then we will segue into what happens when you move into after separation and how this works for special needs families. There are a lot of things to consider. We want to make sure we put a couple of things out there that you're aware of so that you don't miss programs that are developed specifically for your family. And we will talk also about those who are sandwich caregivers. We're talking with Julie Reyes, military spouse, advocate, special needs mom, and we'll be back. Back After these short messages, you are listening to Military Network Radio, and we'll be back with Julie Reyes. Don't miss this. This is important information.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
4: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
5: Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls i used to be the night er nurse at hennepin county general hospital in minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an innie or an outie it doesn't matter but if you're an outie you are definitely the minority still that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have pledge it that's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledge in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a too. What do you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An amphaloxicite. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back, Joe. Let's continue our discussion about EFMP and TRICARE. You mentioned before the break that it's very important to get the prescriptions and early intervention, and all of that is very, very important to set as a foundation for where you go next in the program and and how you manage in the next phase. So what are some of the things you would give as tips for making this program work well for you and your family, tailoring
3: it to your specific needs? Right. So the first thing I would say is you want to get you want to have your diagnosis. You want to know what that those medical diagnoses are if, there, if there's anything connected with the diagnosis. You want to get your prescriptions. The military also has a program called ECHO, mm-hmm. Extended Care Health Option, the ECHO program. The conditions that qualify for Echo coverage. So now this is additional coverage um, that extends beyond just your typical Tricare services. Are moderate to severe intellectual disabilities, serious physical disabilities, extraordinary physical and or psychological conditions, um, diagnosis of neuro muscular developmental conditions and things like that under the age of three. Mm -hmm. So remember, there's TRICARE and then there's the ECHO program. So now you're thinking about, okay, where what pays for my services, my child or my special needs person's services, their medical needs? And so it's good to know that... TRICARE can pay for, if it's medically necessitated, for speech, for OT, for things like ABA, um, so physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech services, and things like that. That will be covered under TRICARE. This ECHO benefit can provide for up to $36,000 per fiscal year for some other items and other services, such as assisted services, um, durable equipment, or like adaptive type of equipment. So you know how some people, they're unable to vocalize to communicate, but they may be able to communicate through some other assistive type of devices. Mm -hmm. This Echo Benefit can actually pay for that up to $36,000. Um, there is rehabilitative services and even some respite care can um, some numbers of respite care hours can be covered under these ECHO benefits. So. OK, how- so I have
1: a question. Is there a copay if you
3: sign up for the yeah. ECHO program? Yes, there is a copay. And the copay um, is clearly designated out there based upon the sponsor's pay grade. Mm-hmm. But. um it is far less than what you're going to pay out of pocket if you needed some of these other services. And again, I just want to I want to stress that in the military community, we truly are with our Tricare medical benefits and with these Echo benefits. Um, I know because I work in the you know in our local community. There are families that on Medicaid who are unable to secure. Very little, if any, services um, on Medicaid and through other insurances. Supposing the parent is working for XYZ company, sometimes those insurances do or do not cover what's required. Um, To be honest with you, in for just autism coverage or ABA coverage, there's 40 states in the United States that have an insurance mandate that the insurance should most or certain insurances should cover ABA services, but not all of them do. And we all know there's more than 40 states in the United States. So there are some people who don't have any insurance, who don't have insurance. And even if they have Medicaid insurance, there are extremely long waiting lists, and it's very hard to come upon services.
1: You know, I'm glad you pointed that out, because I think that, it's it's very easy to get caught up in a a sad mentality, a depressed mentality. I'm dealing with these problems and programs. But you just brought up the fact that the military community truly looks after its own with these programs. And these are long-established programs. And they are quite excellent in terms of the, the breadth and the depth of the coverage that is offered. And there's something about realizing that, that is very bolstering
3: and and optimistic don't you think yeah and i you know and you said before it's not all you know happy happy joy joy there are waiting lists but mm-hmm. we have that insurance benefit called tricare that allows us to even have the chance to get those services that our special needs children and individuals need Um, For the quality of life that they want, that we want them to have or for the improvements and just the opportunities to uh, be able to grow and and expand their repertoires and things like that. So um, we have that chance. Like I said, it's it's not always easy. There are waiting lists for sure, but we have it paid for via TRICARE and then also through this ECHO Benefit. So I urge everybody to just learn what's out there for you. Um, ask those questions. Get the information. If you, you can read about it, but it's hard, talk to somebody who's actually using their TRICARE benefits and learn and understand how did they go about it. I, I like to talk to people. I like to work with people. Um, it's very difficult to just say go to www.website whatever because just reading doesn't really help you apply it to your situation. Um, you need to talk to somebody. How did this work for you? How did you fill this form out? Isn't it kind of daunting? How did you submit a request for reimbursement for the insurance, for TRICARE insurance? How did that work? Um, Just work with somebody who's willing to share that with you.
2: Julie, you're you're exactly right that... um a lot of this is, can be difficult to figure out on our own, and there's a whole community who wants to help, but making sure that you're transparent about what your needs are. You're clearly an expert on all this now because of your experiences. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you started?
3: Oh, it was it, it's hard because you think that um, what's going to happen is – the military is going to tell you, okay, go to Dr. ABC. (laughs) And Dr. ABC is just going to have the appointment ready and available for you, and you can just walk right in and get services right away. Well, sometimes Dr. ABC is 50 or 70 miles away from you, and here you are as a military family member, and you've got a lot of kids that are going to have to go with you to that medical appointment for your one child, And you just say, not going to (laughs) happen. You know, how am I going to handle this? How is this going to really happen? But when you talk and you learn, you realize, wow, I could find another developmental pediatrician within my same community that takes TRICARE. And TRICARE assigned me to this doctor 70 miles away, but... I'm going to try this doctor who's 10 miles away and see if I can talk with them. I know they take TRICARE and see if I can get on their waiting list and get an appointment that is a lot more manageable for me and my family. When I talk to a person in that office, I'm going to find out what their fax number is. I'm going to get their address, their phone number, their fax number. I'm going to get their name. And then I'm going to call TRICARE back and said, you know what? Thank yeah. you so much for that referral. But I found a doctor who takes TRICARE 10 miles away from me. They are willing to get an appointment for me. I, I haven't booked it yet because you always want to have your referral. You want to always have it approved. Um, but here's their information. And I would like you to fax my referral to that doctor that's 10 miles away from my house. So it's really hard because we tend to listen and expect things. Okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go yeah. 70 miles away. Sometimes you have to question that and say, well, you know what? Maybe there's something closer to home. Maybe there's a different way to skin this cat. And that'll make it more possible for me to get this done and take care of my child and my loved one.
2: When, you, when you've taking those active measures to... Do what you just described, and then call Tricare and explain how. What's the recession been like?
3: You know, sometimes a Tricare uh, representative is right on the ball, and they're like, "Oh, absolutely, that's not a problem." Other times, you know, they'll they'll go around in circles. You know what you do, and every military, (laughs) every special needs family will tell you, uh, "Say thank you very much." Yeah. Call back again, and you're going to get somebody else who <laughs> might know what the process is. Sure. Because if that military, if that facility on the outside, and you can get that referral over there, and they take Tricare and they're willing to see you, then you can make it happen. Yeah. But you have to advocate. You have to learn the ropes, and you're going to do that by connecting and networking with other people in your community.
1: You're absolutely right, and I just want to bring up one thing very quickly because we don't have much time, is that there are many people who are in the sandwich caregiver category. They're either taking care of a wounded warrior, an elderly family member, or and a child in the special needs program, et cetera, and the special information that they need there is
3: particularly important to obtain. right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's when people are caring for other people um, and then they have to care for themselves and multiple family members, it's extremely difficult. And so just, again, sharing the load, if you will, mm-hmm. um, knowing your limitations, knowing when to take a breather, you know, take a step back, it, it's really important. Knowing when to ask for help. There you go, that's
1: the biggest one, Julie. I want to make sure that our listeners can find out about your um expertise, how to reach you, et cetera. And you have if i'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a Facebook group called Diversity Action Coalition that they can connect to and mm-hmm. correspond with others and and find another community, one online that maybe isn't local. Right. Anything else you'd like to add to
3: that? No, I mean, my information's on there. I can private message people with my personal number. I love to connect. And like I say, I really enjoy working with people. I absolutely share experiences. Everybody's experience is different. But if I can add just a tidbit of information to people or help them and encourage, I'm there for you. You
1: know, Julie, thank you so much for sharing this expertise with our listeners. It is so valuable, and we are grateful for that wisdom that you pass on so readily. We will post all of these contacts in the show notes after the show. Thank you for listening today. We'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your...